Amen. I got to move Greg's Bible. I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm not qualified to use his. He's, uh, <clears throat> he's smarter than me. Um, <clears throat> anyway, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25 today. And um, we're going to look at that and, and what it means to be together as a church. So we had uh, this weekend, we had a church camp out. That was a lot of fun. Had uh, quite a few people there and I have some pictures later on to show. And I think actually that's the background of the lake that night. And um, <clears throat> so so we were there. But but anyway, as we come into this this uh, passage here, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, it's actually one big sentence. So, so these these, uh, you know, it's broken down in English into a few different sentences. But but as it was originally written, it was one big, long sentence with with here. Here is the why and here is the what. So <clears throat> so as we come in, um, you know, the why that we can do is in Hebrews 10, 19 and uh, through 21. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. So because of these things, and these things are, are things that, that he's writing about that were in chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, coming into chapter 10. So everything prior to this point and coming up to verse 18 of chapter 10 gives the why, gives the foundation, tells what's going on and, and what it is, and, and we're going to go over these things quickly today, all three of them, then come back and, and look at them individually over the next two or three weeks. But, but it's, uh, this passage is a great look at who we are as the people of God, of what He has done for us, uh, for the privilege that we have of knowing Him, and, and what that means in our lives, and how, how it happens, and how God wants us to function as a body, as a church, as a group, as a people who, who know Him. So the first thing is, is, is that we have access into the presence of God through Jesus. We have access. He says, therefore, since we have confidence, we have confidence, and our access is a gift of grace from God. It's not something that we've earned. It's not because we're here in a building. It's not because we have a religious heritage. It's not because we're Americans. It's, it's basically coming down to a real simple fact, and that is we can enter confidently because of the blood of Jesus. That's the access that we have, and it's a gift of grace from God, and it's something that we stand on confidently. He says, since we have confidence to enter into the presence of God. So if you come in and you looked at this word in confidence as it was used in the context of the day that this was written, it was the confidence of a citizen to come before the uh, political body and speak their mind. Like you would have confidence if you wanted to go to a borough meeting. You could get up and speak your piece. You could speak your piece for three minutes and you could speak it not as a subject, but as an owner. You would speak it as, I am a citizen 
here. You represent me, and I am speaking my peace. I am speaking who I am. So I have a confident standing to do that. So he's saying we have a confident standing as citizens of the kingdom of God to come before God in worship, to come before God, uh, to petition him, to come before God in prayer, to come before God and, and pour our hearts out to him, not to tell him that, that he works for us, but, but that we are heirs of his kingdom that we have been brought in that we are citizens and we're no longer strangers and aliens but we belong here we belong here and and we are coming before him and and so it, it was something that um that that jesus did that he, that he came in and he confidently proclaimed the kingdom of god he confidently proclaimed who he was and, and so we have this confidence. It says we can confidently enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Not because of what we've done, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. In Ephesians 2.18 it says, For through him, through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We have access in one spirit to the Father. So we have this access to God because of what Jesus has done through the Spirit dwelling in us, and we can come right before the Father. In Romans 5 2, it says, Through Him, through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So as Paul wrote in Romans, this access is, is based on faith. It's not works. It's not what we've done. It's not because we're good enough. It's simply because Jesus has made this possible. He has done this, and it's guaranteed through the work of Christ. So He is able to fully remove our sin. He is able to fully make us holy. He is able to fully make us righteous before God. He is able to remove the shame and the guilt in our lives. And, and He presents us before God as holy and righteous. So this is, this is where um, these five chapters before are driving us and they're moving us in this point. And, and it's just laying out that Jesus is this great high priest. He is the one who has gone before us. And, and as you have spent your lives studying in, in your Jewish faith and seeing the temple and, and the sacrifices and the priest going before and you coming to him, he said, look, those priests, they really could never make it happen they had to do it day after day after day after day they would offer the same sacrifices day after day week after week year after year and and these sacrifices never fully covered your guilt because it just popped right back up again and he said, not so with Jesus. When Jesus did this, he offered himself as a sacrifice. And then he sat down at the right hand of God. The priests, they never sat down. Man, they were always going. It was the same old thing every single day. When Jesus did this, he's done. For all of eternity, he is at the right hand of God, seated on his throne so there it is and, and that's what what he has laid out for us so it says in hebrews seven twenty three, it says the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever consequently he is able to save to the uttermost 
those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. This is the picture as as we come in, we can confidently approach God. Why? Because Jesus is pleading our case before God. Jesus is there. He is interceding for us. He is speaking on our behalf in the heavenly realms. And He has done this and made us right with God. And it is Jesus and Jesus alone who does it. So there's where we come. In 1 Timothy 2, 5-6, through Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, For there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So as we come in and look at this, this is the basis for it. The basis for who we are, the basis for our church, the basis for um, eternal life, the basis really for everything is Jesus. It just comes down to there. You know, it's kind of like in Sunday school, if you ask a question in the, in the little guys, they'll inherently, it doesn't matter what the question is, one of them is going to say Jesus. Because they say, well, you know, we're here, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. You know, we've been told Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And, and that is, that, that really is. It, it sounds simplistic, but honestly, as adults and as mature Christians, it's really good to be reminded the answer really is Jesus. That is the answer. That's why we can be here. That's why we do what we do. That's why we have hope. That's why we can come before God. It's not because of any other thing. It's simply because who He is, what He's done, and the promise He has made, and He has offered it to us, not on the basis of works, but on the basis of faith. We are justified not by our works, not by our goodness. We're justified by faith. And then those, those things, that, that faith drives us to do good works. It drives us. It changes us. It makes us want to change. It makes us want to please God. It makes us want to know more about this God who came and gave Himself for us to make us whole, to remove our guilt and our sin and our shame, and to make us holy and blameless in His sight. It makes us um, have this tremendous debt of gratitude in our hearts and, and desire and going, you know what, Jesus, I was lost. I was separated, separated from You. I didn't have hope in this world. I didn't have this desire to know you. I didn't have this understanding of, of the purpose of my life here on this earth. I didn't know what, what it meant to be a godly follower of Jesus. And now you have made it possible for me to do that, to understand this, to, to understand the way and the plans and the purposes that you had for me from the beginning of time as we come in and, and we go back and we look at this, this plan for God to restore us. So because of this, because of our access, we're commanded to do three things in this passage. The first one is to pray. It says, um, the, the first of the three is says, let us, because, therefore, because of these things, let us, this is a command, let us, Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we need to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Um, So this drawing is like the phrase, to draw near is this phrase that's used in the Old Testament and it's of the priest's 
approaching God in the temple. They would come in and they would approach and, and come in and make the sacrifice of worship. So as they would come in, they would approach the altar and they would bring the sacrifice of worship and place it there before God. And this was the, the symbolic thing of them coming and they would make their offerings and, and they would do this day after day after day. And now Jesus has done this offering once and for all. And so it, this is us now as living sacrifices, not as a sacrifice of a sheep or a goat or a bull or a dove or whatever. It's, it's us coming before him. And it includes prayer and all other aspects of corporate worship. When we come before God, sometimes we think of it, it says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And by the way, this is plural, let us. It's not let me, not let us individually draw before God, but it's saying that we are to corporately come before Him with true hearts, with full assurance, with knowing, you know what, I am fully assured of what Jesus has done, and my heart has been cleansed, and I can come before him in worship. And, and we have a tendency um, to make these private things. We have a tendency that, that prayer is a private thing. It's not a corporate thing. It's, it's not something we do with others. It's something that we do alone. And, and I'm as guilty as anybody of that. that, that but we come in and, and need to understand that, that this drawing near is a drawing near that includes prayer and all other aspects of corporate worship as we come together as a body. And, and this drawing near is a theme that the author, he's already developed throughout the book of Hebrews, and he's continuing to emphasize it, that we are to draw near to God, and, and we are to come close to Him. And, and it's through the Holy Spirit, and it's through the Word of God that we are able to do this. We're made clean before God and we're able to do this through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit that we're able to come and to draw near to Him. So He calls us in this way. In Hebrews 4, 16, it says, let us then draw near, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he says that, that we can come through once again with confidence, this word of confidence that we have standing before God. We have standing because of what Jesus has done. We have a standing with him and we can draw near to the throne of grace corporately today as a body. We are drawing near to the throne of grace, knowing that God is accepting of our worship, not because we're good enough, it's because of what Jesus has done. And, and he is allowing us to come into his presence to worship together and to find mercy and grace and help in our time of need. So this is a finished work that's been accomplished and, and it's been accomplished apart from us. It's been accomplished solely by him and the true heart and full assurance of faith part, though this part of it. So we're to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, that, that is on us. That's us. That, he is saying this is something that we do. It's not, not, uh, not something that, um, that is just cast upon us, but it's the part that we bring to worship as we come in and we have a true heart and we have 
a full assurance of who we are before Him. So our hearts are right with God, that our hearts are in tune with Him, that our heart is given to Him, and that we are sure of who we are before Him. So we come in here in this confident state before Him, and then Jesus brings the other part, the part that He has sprinkled us clean from an evil conscience, and He has washed us clean. He has made us whole. He has made it possible for us to come into the presence of God corporately and privately to pour out our concerns to Him. And it's uh, as, as we come in, He has washed us and made us whole and able to do this. So it's all, um, <clears throat> it's, it's all a corporate thing that we come together to do, that, that we come and we do that in a worship service. We do it privately as we worship privately and read our Bibles and study and, and come before God in, in the mornings or the evenings or however you do that on a, on a daily basis. But if it's all personal, if we take this passage to be all personal, then we lose this aspect of we're a body, we're a people, we come together and we worship together and and we move from a corporate faith to a solitary faith. And God never intended for us to do that. This is a plural gathering and it's a plural prayer. So this is something that God says, you know, because of everything that Jesus has done, we're to come together together corporately to uh, to pray to worship and then the second thing that he says is to stand firm he says let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful in verse 23 so he says let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful if um <clears throat> We talk about this confession. We go, well, what is this confession? You know, what 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 is um, the confession of our hope without wavering? And the confession that that he's speaking of is just a basic thing that these people held to as the people of God. For us today, um, it's really simple that we would say that there are some very foundational elements of the Christian faith. And if you don't hold to those elements, you're not a follower of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. He, was, um, he took our sin and our shame upon Him. When He died that death, it was the death that we deserved to die. And, and by taking our sin and shame and guilt, He transposed His righteousness upon us. He was placed in a grave. He laid there for three days. But on the third day, He conquered sin and death and He rose from the grave. He spoke walked on this earth. He ascended into the heavens as His disciples watched, and He will one day return again. Those are basic, simple tenets of the Christian faith. That's our confession as a people. And we confess that these are truths. These are facts. These are things that happen. And if you don't confess those things, you're not orthodox in your Christian faith. Your Christian faith is... if. It's, it's very questionable, and at best, it's lacking. And at worst, it's not real. He's saying, hold fast to this confession. And then this confession is, is that we are saved by grace through faith by placing our trust in our lives on these facts that we're saying, you know what, this is true, and I am turning to Jesus, trusting Him. I'm giving my life to Him. I'm following Him fully. 
through all things. I mean, it's really simple. It's, it's not the confession that we hold is, is very simple and short. It's a very simple confession of faith. Jesus died for me. God loves me unconditionally. It's just a simple thing. He says, stand on it without wavering. Don't, don't get caught up in, I've got to do this for God, or I've got to do that to be right with God, or, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not as good as those other people. But instead, just understand that our confession is the basic doctrine of Jesus, the sinless Son of God who died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave, and He's coming again. Salvation is in Him alone. And He says, hold fast to that and live it out expectantly, waiting on His return, just as Pastor Greg covered in Second Peter. And I'm glad that Greg covered Second Peter. And I'm really glad that he talked about the sons of God and the daughters of men, all those things. And I thought, man, he told me he was taking it on. And I said, man, I am glad. I'd like to see it. Um, but, uh, but I listened to it. And, and he did a, a great job as always. But, but as we come in, the one thing that, that he talked about is we need to be waiting expectantly on God, believing that, that Jesus is coming again, that this day of the Lord will be something that, that is there. In Hebrews 4.14, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. The writer, he says, let us hold fast our confession. Let's hold fast. Hold this confession. Or as in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. He is faithful and he will do it. That's the confession. That's the confession of Jesus. He is faithful. If God calls you to do anything, it says that he will do it. It doesn't mean you don't have to work. It doesn't mean that you may not have to put a whole lot of effort into it. It doesn't mean that it might be a difficult thing. But it says ultimately he will bring it to pass. That's the promise of God. He doesn't promise an easy life. He doesn't promise that there will never be problems or anything else. What he promises is, is that when we're following him, that ultimately he will make it happen. He will bring it to pass. He will do it. God is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. His son will return for us. He promises to keep us until that day. And he says, stand firm on that. This is what he's saying. Let us hold fast this confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful and even in the middle of everything going on in our world today, we can stand firm on the fact that God is on the throne and he always will be. God is on the throne and he always will be. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just this thing. So he comes in and in the last part is about the gathering together. And um, I've got some pictures up there I think Natalie can throw up that... Um, <clears throat> So that was uh, Friday night up at Hidden Lake, kind of before we started our worship. But we had quite a few people come in, and, and we were there at the uh, amphitheater there at Hidden Lake. It was a great time. We had a good time together, good fellowship with one another. I think there's a couple more, if um, you can throw them up there, Natalie. And uh, Daniel Marr, he, he spoke, did a great job, great message. Um, and then we have one more. Oh, uh, yeah. 
eating food. You can't get together without food. So, uh, and uh, the, the ladies that did the dinner, they did a great job from our uh, fellowship team. So it, it was just a good time. It was a good time to get together. It was a beautiful place. And then the background is after it was all over with that night, um, I, I shot a picture there. Priscilla take, took these. But, um, but anyway, as, as we come in and we look at that, it's, it's the, the together thing. And, and, you know, there's just something about it, right? There's just something about being together with God's people and, and what that is and what it means and, and what it means within our lives. So the final thing that he says, he says, and let us, let us consider how to stir one another, how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he says, and let us consider, let, let's think about this. Consider this. How can we stir one another up? How can we provoke one another inside? How can <laughs> you think, oh, I can provoke people really well. Um, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing when you think about. But, um, and, and your Bible may read that. How can we provoke one another? But it is. It's saying, how can we push one another on to love and good deeds? How can we provoke one another in a very positive way rather than a very negative way? way and, and it requires us to get together and encourage one another if we want to if we want to stir up one another if we want to compel one another to to love and good works then it means that we have to somehow connect with one another we have to be able to do that and that's what these people are doing and it's sprinkled throughout this letter of Hebrews that it was written these people were doing just that they were encouraging one another they were getting together and and this this was written to them to make them um, understand and know who they are in Hebrews 6 10 it says for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do they were saying you know what you, you may think that God isn't there you may think that that nothing is happening as a result of what you're doing you may think that your good works are without any effect you may think that um why do i why do i even bother you ever get to that point you say you know what i don't even know why i bother anymore it just doesn't seem to do any good and, and here's what he's saying in the middle of all of this when he's talking about jesus our great high priest he said look god's not overlooking it god knows nobody else may know but I mean, ultimately, who do we do it for? I mean, when, when we really come down to the very basic bottom line of everything, and, and I come down to all of it, do I do it because I want to make other people happy? Or do I do it because I want to please my God? And by the way, you just can't make everybody happy. We're, we are a textbook case for that right now. Look, you cannot make everybody happy. You can't do it. You, you can't. We, we, we can't. And, and you know what? That's okay. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having differences of opinion. There's nothing wrong with um, having different, different groups. I mean, I, I'm very pleased 
I'm very pleased that there is a way that, that we can do what we do. It says in Hebrews 3.13, Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's saying, you know what? We, we have to stir one another up. We have to exhort one another so that our hearts don't become hardened and we just don't get so caught up in, in our opinion and the doctrines of ourselves instead of the doctrines of God, the things of man rather than the things of God and lose sight of who we are. And, and that's why it's, it's so good. You see, this is the part that's been difficult for us over the last few months. It's been very difficult. It's been very difficult for us to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Holy cow. I mean, not me. There were weeks where we met together in bits and bites on a screen. It was the best we could. I'm not saying it was. I'm thankful. I mean, I'm very thankful. But I'll be honest with you, it's lacking. It's not the same. And I am. You know, we, we made this complete shift to virtual church, and, and it's had its challenges. It really has. It's had challenges. And, and the first time we got together was for a drive-in worship service, and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing how people responded to that. I mean, I, I was blown away. The, 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 the number of people who said, you know, this just feels so good. This feels so good. I mean, I had some people say, I will never complain about going to church again, ever, ever, ever. Give it a year, okay? Because we're creatures of habit. But, but, it, but it was. I, I mean, it's, it's just been a great reminder of how important it is to be together with our church family. We have access into the very presence of God through Jesus and and we're called to pray and worship together and to stand firm on the foundation of Jesus as taught in his word and to provoke one another to love and good works and, and it's all a group thing and, and I know that there's some who can't be here with us even with masks and I know that there's some who are coming now that that could that that couldn't come before without us doing this and and I'm really grateful that we can and I'm grateful um, for for the um, graciousness of everybody knowing I mean with differences of opinion and and everything else you just come in and say you know what we are going to do this because we love each other and we are going to provoke one another to love and good deeds and this is a good deed this is a good deed it's all it is and it's coming in and saying, you know what? We care about everybody. And you know what? We got people who are watching online right now. And I'm telling you, they, they matter too. Just as much. And I wish that we could do something to make it possible for them to be here. But I, I, I haven't figured that one out. Nobody else has either. And, and I understand that because health-wise, it's just not worth the risk. And, and that's why we have gone all in on getting all of the, uh, the online stuff done. The camera on the back wall back there and, and countless hours of tech stuff. I mean, it will absolutely suck the life out of you. I mean, it is. I'm telling you, hell's going to be like one big IT department. 
It is. I used to think that it was going to be a room with Hallmark movies on every wall, but it's not. It's not. It's just going to be like one big computer crash after another, trying to fix it over and over and over again. And every time you get one thing fixed, the microphone starts pop. Um, you know, I, I don't really know, but but it's it's a group thing, and and we have done everything that we can do to make it not only available, but to make it good. Not, not just a phone held up where you got some crummy sound, but I mean, Greg worked hours and hours getting the sound in so that we can get the, the audio right, so that we can get the video good, so that we can get what's going on up here, on there. We still got a couple little things to figure out on that, but we're going to get it all done. And you know why? Because we're going to be together in the best way that we can. We are going to be together in the best way that we can because we are God's people and He has called us to this. And, and so we, we want to offer different options to everybody so that we can make it happen. And, and I'm grateful. I'm really grateful to be a part of a church family that, that is able to come in and say, you know what, We're, we'll put all of our opinions aside and we'll stand firm on the Word of God and we'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. That's good. That, that's what this is. When it's saying, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, it is. And, and we're going to figure out a way to meet together. Um, and we're going to encourage one another. And we're going to do it all the more as we see the day drawing near. Because Jesus is coming back. And as Greg said, the people in the, in the first century AD, they thought he was coming back in their lifetimes. We should think the same thing today. And if it's 2,000 years more, in 2,000 years, they should still be thinking about it because that's just what God has called us to do. And he said, you know what? We need to live our lives with that viewpoint because really in, in, the, great, in the great scheme of it all, the grand scheme of it all, I mean, think about eternity. Eternity has no end. It has no start. It has no beginning. It's just like going on and on and on forever. And we're on a little blip on the line. We're just a little bitty blip in time. And um, it seems like, you know, 100 years ago was a long time. For some people, it wasn't that long ago. They'll tell you, you know, it just seems like it was yesterday. And uh, that's just the way that it is. But the Christian life, it's a family life. It's a family group. We're a body. We, when, one, when one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we're all to rejoice. And, and, and these are all principles that are a part of the Christian life. And I couldn't be more proud to be a part of a church family than to be a part of this one because I think it's a great body of people. I think it's a great body of believers. Um, we don't always agree on everything. As a matter of fact, sometimes we strongly disagree with one another. That's okay. Um, I've got two brothers, and sometimes we've had some pretty strong disagreements. And I bet you have too, but they're still my brothers, and they'll always be my brothers. I'd do anything for them. Um, I have a family of my own now, and, and uh, you know, sometimes we have disagreements. But uh, they're still my family, and we still love one another, and we would do anything for any of us. And, and it's just the way it is. We'll stand for each other. And, and that's, that's what it means to be a part of this, to stir one another up to love and good works. So 
So as, as we come in and, and look, I want to encourage you, you know, be a part of what's going on, but, but be a part and get involved in a small group. We have several small groups r- ramping up right now. If you want to get in one, let me know. Um, we can get you in one. I know that Greg has offered to do one online for people who can't do the face-to-face group thing that he said, he said, hey, I'll be happy to do an online group where people can get, get together and do the Zoom thing, you know, and, and we can come in and see um, the best that we can do with that. But that's, that's where it all is, and that's what we want to do. And that's as we come in and we look at it, why? Because we have confidence before God. We have confidence in Jesus who came, who offers us life, who offers us hope, who offers us a future, who is with us. He promises never to leave us, never to forsake us. And we have a family and we have a group and this is what he is calling us to do. So as as we come and look at it, I want you to think about this over the next, um, really over this years. What does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? How is it that, that he has done this? Because as the book of Hebrews, it, it lays it out. It says that, that we are to draw near in worship, that we are to stand without wavering on our faith, and that we are to stir one another up to love and good deeds or provoke one another to love and good deeds, to prod one another on, to be everything that God has uh, called us to be. And why? why? Why would we do that? Because it's, it's the best. It's God's best for us. That's why. It's not because we um, want to be uh, some kind of organizational thing. It's because we want to be the people that God created us to be. Um, and, and because in that, I fully believe that when we're the people God created us to be, our lives are going to be at their absolute best. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you and praise you for <clears throat> the amazing ways that you've... Uh, Express your love to us, Father, mostly for the way that you've shown it through Jesus. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to draw near to you with sincere hearts, with full assurance of faith. Father, with, without wavering, that we would stand on your word, that we'd stand on your promises, that we would trust in the hope that you've given to us in Christ Jesus. And Father, we pray that um, you would help us to just continue to love one another, to encourage one another. And we pray for those in our church family who are, not, who are unable to get out. And we lift them up to you and we pray for your blessings on them. Father, we look forward expectantly to the day that, that we'll be able to gather together, um, whether it's here in this place or face-to-face in your presence. We, we look to that and we thank you for the promise that you've made for us. And and Lord, we pray now that you would um, just help us to share the good news of Jesus with the people around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as Kenny leads us?